welcome to the Full Court Sound Off podcast with Justin and Solomon. We are here mere days before the WNBA regular season is to end with the playoffs coming soon. We'll touch on that. We'll touch on uh, realignment in college sports, how that will affect basketball, as well as a few other pieces of news from around the sport over the last handful of days. Before we kick that off, though, I do think it's uh, right to give my friend here a welcome back. So for those, you know, listening in the car, on your bird scooter, you know, on your AirPods, I'm doing the uh, round of applause circle here. Yay, he's back. It just, you know, just always good to give someone a welcome back. And like I thought I'd throw that in there before uh, the adults uh, start talking again. I appreciate that, Solomon. I, I, I appreciate being appreciated and remembered. And I, and I know how important and really crucial I am to the chemistry and the success of this of this, of this endeavor here. Um, the most important link. And it's really been a shame for me to have to hear you talk with Chris the last few weeks. He's, he's clearly, uh, you know, been, been stuck with an unfortunate partner. And I can relate to that, you know, as, as somebody who's had to record a few podcasts with you and known you for a few years, that's something I really can relate to. And so thank you, Chris, for putting up with Solomon for me for a few weeks. I'm back now. You don't have to do it anymore. I will care for him. That was some of the worst trash talk I've ever heard in my life. So let's go ahead and get to something better. All right. Well, Please something continue. better something better would be that, like I said, the WNBA regular season is coming to a close soon. The 25th season of the league, seven of the eight playoff spots are clinched as we are speaking. The only one left is the eight seed between the Mystics, Sparks, and Liberty. A uh, couple of couple of teams below 500. Always love seeing below 500 teams get into the postseason, but that's just me. Um, I think we'll, we'll start this off with who do you think will win? You know, admittedly, I, I've been outside of the Indiana Fever and Kelsey Mitchell shout out, of course. I really haven't been watching too, too much, been more of a stat watcher. Um, I don't know, for some reason, I think Asia Wilson is ready to kind of take over the league. Last year, win an MVP. This is year, I think, for her in the league coming out of South Carolina, former number one overall pick. So I know last year they lost to the storm and got swept and blah, blah, blah. But for some reason, I just see Asia Wilson basically is one championship away from being the face, the true face of the WNBA. So I think I'm going to go with the Las Vegas Aces and put it all on black here for them to bring home the title. I think that is good. That is a reasonable prediction. Uh, I, before the season started, predicted a storm repeat. And so I feel like I should stay with that. Um, there's something to be, I mean, Sue Bird is just like unreal. Like I just, I would never bet against her. Stewart is also unreal. I would never bet against her. You know, I, I don't think that it's like a clear cut storm victory or anything like that, but I'm going to have to stick with what I said at the beginning of the season. I'm going to have to go with the storm to do it again. Um, I just, I just think they have too much. I just, I, I, I love, I love Sue Bird and I love Brianna Stewart. It's just such a ridiculous one-two punch, but Asia Wilson is insane. I mean, the aces are really good. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue against someone who's number three and three-pointers made in the year. And then, you know, the, while well, we talk about Asia being the 2020 league MVP, I mean, Brianna Stewart was the finals MVP. So pretty hard to argue with that. She's three in the league in scoring top five in assists is Sue Bird. So, you know, pretty deadly combo. And I do agree something to be said for when you've done it before, 
um, and you've got that experience, just, I don't know, it's one of those things where you just kind of get a gut feeling. I've got something in my gut, and I'm not really sure exactly what it is, what it could be. It could be a lot of things, what, what I've put in my gut lately. But, you know, I think it honestly really is going to be the Las Vegas Aces. And, you know, the season they say can go up to the latest, I think, is October 19th. I fully expect for the party to be at Tau in Vegas or Dre's, one of these spots. And, uh, yeah, put it all in black, baby. And I think it is also worth noting, even though neither of us predicted them. I mean, the Sun have won, you know, 12 games in a row. Like, they're pretty sick. Um, between like Dewana Bonner and John Quill Jones and Brianna Jones. I mean, they're, they're quite formidable. They're quite formidable, but I have to just stick with what I had preseason, which is the storm. Uh, anyway, moving oh, well, on. Oh, go well, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh. I was going to say that, uh, you know, it, one thing in coming across this, I'm not sure how much the listeners, I myself had to do a lot of self-education here and on the WNBA format. And for those of you who don't know, there are 12 teams in the league. Um, and we've got eight teams make the playoffs. And, you know, Amer- this the WNBA is not the only league to have the majority of teams make the playoffs. The NBA does that. Um, I think the NFL now does that. I think baseball is the only one that doesn't. Um, but curious, what are your thoughts on eight out of 12 making the playoffs? Is that really the playoffs or is that just like oh. everyone play on except for the really, really bad teams? Yeah, so I hate it a lot. I hate it a lot. I don't even like it in other – American pro sports. I, 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 I think it's kind of pointless to play so many months of regular, like, why should I care really? Why should I care about these games? Like other than just like, because you like basketball, which is, I guess a good enough reason, but other than that, why should I care about a June WNBA game? Why should I care about a November NBA game? Why should I care about a, you know, uh, an NHL game in January? Like, that's me. And that's part of why I have trouble really getting into regular season American pro sports. Then the playoffs come and it's like, okay, well now it really matters. And we're on a different level, but yeah, if you're going to play all these games and then half or more than half your league goes, especially a 12 team league, like, and then they go right into single elimination. It's just kind of, for me, it, it makes it hard to really get that into the regular season beyond just like, keeping track of what's happening, kind of like knowing who's good, maybe occasionally catching a little bit here and there, but like, am I going to intently watch knowing that like you knowing that right now, the Liberty and Sparks are both 11 and 19 yet only one game out of the eight spot. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's by far the, the most unique. I mean, I guess the NFL had something no, even the NFL only had one buy. Basically, you know, kind of what Justin was talking about, there's eight teams make the playoffs. The top two seeds get a two-round buy and automatically start in the semifinals. And then four and five get a single-round buy, and the last four teams um, play each other single elimination. And, you know, in looking at the past champions, although eight teams make the playoffs, the top seeds and the best team, not always the top seeds, but the best teams, always still seem to win the championship. And so... I don't know. I'd be really curious to talk to whoever the architect is and whoever's making the decisions to be like, well, you know, what were you thinking in doing this and why not just have, you know, half the teams or just start in the semis and almost make it a little bit more exciting. I get, you know, you want to have a long regular season, but as you're starting to build the league and build the league, what are you going to do? Are you going to go all right when there's 14 teams, you know, 10 of them make it. Um, I don't know. Real. I saw that really, really interesting. Um, kind of like you kind of like, and maybe not the best decision. 
Um, don't want it to sound like I'm a hater or anything, but for sure, I think maybe we scale that back next year and play in or I don't know, something. But 8 out of 12 is uh, yikes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of crazy. And I also think it's kind of crazy that also the first two rounds are both single elimination. So you could be a three seed, have worked all that way to get your buy and to, I mean, right now the Lynx are the three seed and they're 20 and 10. I, I mean, kind of like that, though, because at least that's, like, somewhat unique. Like, I mean, the NFL is a single game because it's football, but at least that's, like, unique. I can get more behind. I could get more behind if the entire playoffs were single elimination than 75% of the teams making the playoffs. I, I get where you're coming from with that, and I think I would agree, but I would just ra- – I would rather have a shorter regular season and a longer playoffs – but also, but here's the thing we're talking about trying to determine like the best way to determine a champion, right? That's how, that's how we're coming at it from. That's not how the WNBA or, oh, or yeah, the NBA about the or ratings the or and yeah. And, yeah, 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 yeah. They're coming at it from a totally different way. I mean, to me, the American pro sports model of how to determine the best team is, is stupid. It's a terrible way. The best way is to have everyone play each other home and away once so you play everyone twice in whatever league you're in or more times if it's a sport that calls for that. Like the NBA could everyone play four times, let's say, twice at home, twice away. You get points for winning. You get you don't get points for, you know, and then at the end, it's just whoever's at the top. And like that's how you actually make every game matter the same. All the schedules are balanced. And it's about a war of attrition of like, can you stay afloat for the entire season rather than, can you get in the first top half of the league during the super long part? And then can you just get really hot for a month or two, which again, playoffs are awesome. Like they're super awesome to watch in every, in every sport playoffs are really fun. But if you're trying to determine who's the best team in a league, doing it over the course of two months or one month, just when you have a six or seven month season to me seems foolish. Yeah, man. For a second, I thought you were getting ready to describe the Champions League. It was kind of close, but I was ready. No, like, no, it, the, the not Champions But yeah, no, no. I, you know, I, we, we can agree to disagree. It's I don't really personally have too strong of an opinion one way or another. Just uh, I can tell you this: eight out of twelve should not be making the playoffs. I agree. Um, and then uh, I wouldn't be so if anyone outside the top three wins the championship, I'd be surprised, which would actually put your Seattle Storm outside of that um threshold there well, but, we'll uh, see. yeah they could finish and i mean there's still a few more games left they could they could finish top three but I, I i would be very surprised if it weren't uh one of these top five teams including the mercury and links and the teams that we already said i would be very surprised if it wasn't one of those five even though candace parker's on the sky i would i would be surprised if it wasn't one of those five and i'm sorry i'm sorry to your cousin uh for the nba indiana fever have found a way to be at the bottom again hey man we uh we're in for the run for the long haul hey we're, uh, someone we're someone's got to be top. at the bottom we're, hey, doesn't, we're in doesn't, it to the top we're, doesn't uh, mean they will be in uh, in three years or two years you know things change things change things change but great people stay the same shout out to to kelsey mitchell friend of the pod yes absolutely friend of the pod um so now shifting gears uh yes you have my permission to shift thank you it's okay you've got my permission that's okay 
uh, realignment in college sports. Um, this comes up, seems like every 10 years and every 10 years, uh, football really pretty much fucks over every other sport. Um, this time Texas and Oklahoma kicked it off by leaving the big 12 to go to the sec. And that will happen at some point in the next few years, uh, by 2025 when unclear, but at some point between now and then, uh, and in response, you have the big 10, the ACC and the PAC 12 form an alliance, which is just weird. And then you have the big 12, uh, adding Houston, UCF, BYU and Cincinnati, which I think is interesting because the addition of BYU shows how desperate both sides were because now the big 12 is the most likely conference to accept BYU and their religiousness and their restrictions, but either BYU and I don't know, but either BYU compromised on playing on Sundays, which I doubt or the big 12, right. Or the big 12 is so desperate they're like, you know what, we'll accommodate this, which is something that like nobody else was willing to do until now, really. I mean, the Mountain West in the back in the day, but you're dealing with the, the Mountain West and the Big 12 are operating on different planes. Um, so how will this affect basketball? Hmm. It's an interesting question. Um, I think it depends on whether or not this means the big 12 really survives, you know, I mean, the big 12 adding those four teams seems to indicate that they intend to survive as, as their own and whether their status as a power conference in football maintains doesn't really matter for basketball so much. Like as long as the league exists and still has Kansas, like, they can still be okay in basketball, you know? So like for basketball, I mean, BYU is okay. It's, Oh, I mean, it's interesting. Now the West coast conference, I presume BYU will be moving their basketball. They're not only joining the big 12 for football. So the West coast conference just got a lot weaker. So that hurts Gonzaga and St. Mary's quite a bit. So I'm curious to see how that conference recovers from, from losing BYU. The American is, kind of screwed basketball wise and yeah solomon gets to celebrate cincinnati getting a life life raft well i was gonna say it's it's always a great day to be a bear cap but even better day when you can you know join the power five I, you know I, it's interesting i hear you talking about this and that and kansas and blah 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 it, none of this to matters to me to me the biggest start to college basketball and not college basketball and college football are so different. But to me, the biggest yeah. threat to the college basketball was the not the creation, but the uh, almost the the spark that was hit with the G League, and that they have these like almost kind of super salaries or this new kind of program that's going to now propel teams or propel these high level like um, high school athletes to the G League. The thing that could maybe save college basketball is the NIL, which we kind of talked about a little bit earlier on. Mm -hmm. um, but college basketball and the difference between that and football is that there's always going to be stars in college football. But college basketball, the best seasons for college basketball are the ones that are driven by stars. When Zion was at Duke, that was the best season in college basketball probably the last five to seven years. Some of the reasons why... Uh, best how, though. Best how, though. 
in in turn, I'm looking at it more so for myself as a fan in terms of like watchabilities. The games seem to have a lot more juice to them. I love Baylor, Davion Mitchell, and the crew. They were really good, very well deserving of the national championship last year. But no like true, true star power on the team, which to me is what ultimately elevates college basketball. Um, and so when you have you know the the Kentucky teams with AD and we have them with CAD and you've got you know stars like Steph and you got those major stars in college basketball that's what really elevates and can save college basketball so I guess I say all this to say that you know if for some reason the SEC the Big 12 the Big 10 anyone if they have a awesome recruiting year kind of like what Penny Hardaway and Memphis is doing right now that will have a more adverse and positive effect on college basketball than any sort of a conference realignment could happen and I think it's just because when you've got because you see all these people on, you know, TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or these high school phenoms, but then they go play in Australia, they go play in Europe, and then you don't hear about them anymore. And then it's like, who are we to be excited about this year? Because people are so used to the one and dones and, you know, people not staying very long. So you need people to look forward to each year. Well, if you don't have the top recruits coming because they're playing professionally, that's what kills it. But if you get these people to go play college basketball, it doesn't matter if they're playing for Duke, it doesn't matter if they're playing in the moon it'll be just as exciting no matter what the conference alignment is. And so I think if they can continue, whether it's the Big 12, Pac-12, A-12, B-12, C-12, Z-12, any of them, if they can continue to get the top players and the more brand, brand name recognition, it'll be okay. When Bronny goes to – when Bronny James goes to school, that'll do more for college basketball if he can stay and play in college basketball and any sort of realignment could do one way or another. Conversely, had the Big 12 stayed the same, if Bronny doesn't go, then that's going to – hurt college basketball the same way some alignment than a, a realignment would. Is that, does that kind of make sense? I, I get where you're coming from. If you view it purely through the lens of like capturing casual fandom, I will, my, my only counterpoint to that would be the big 12 doesn't have the same in basketball, doesn't have the same importance or gravitas that the old big East did, but the last realignment, destroyed the old big east and that had a very serious impact on basketball college basketball and i think had the big 12 imploded here and it still might i mean adding these four teams is by no way guaranteed a savior kansas is a huge deal in college basketball like massive and if they're and if and if a program like that is left behind like genuinely left behind that would have serious ramifications on basketball. And then if you look also on the women's side, though, I will say, too, on the women's side, if Baylor women's basketball were to be left out in the cold and kind of basically demoted, I mean, we've seen UConn still do really, really well out of the Americans, so Baylor could still probably keep it together. But it's just like, really? They're not competing? It's it's weird. And, And Kansas not being in a major conference would be bad. See, I think the women's basketball is such a different landscape. I very much think it's much more of a, the coaches and the programs have a much bigger effect. So for sure, it's U- true. UConn, UConn could go be in the the Sun Belt. They're still going to UConn because they still have Gino. They still have the alums. They're UConn's going to UConn no matter what happens. Yeah, same thing for I Baylor. Agree. Same thing for Stanford. But what I would say to me, what hurt the big the Big East now the the realignment was key. But I think one of the things that kind of hurt them is some of their their top schools their recruiting kind of started to suck. Like I know Syracuse went to the the ACC and 
um, some in like Louisville went to the ACC and some of those other schools, which were which were you know big losses. Those are big time programs. But keeping Georgetown, G- Georgetown went from having like Otto Porter and um, Roy Hibbert and some of these like main stars that were like really really good teams, and they're they're just not very good anymore. And so I think that's what some of the things that has hurt the Big East. Yeah, like you went from this like awesome like 15, 20 team conference, and yeah, it was gonna hurt. It was gonna hurt. But you can't tell me if the teams that stayed, if they were not high level, it the effect would not have been felt as um, See, much just because of some of those teams leaving. I don't agree. I think I think what you're suffering from is from the bias of ESPN not covering them because Fox has the Big East. Because you're talking about a conference that produced two national championship teams in Villanova in the last few years. Villanova has been one of the best programs of the last 10 years. Georgetown's fallen off hard. But there have been some there have been some times in the last few seasons where the Big East has been one of the best conferences in the country. The problem is they don't get the pub they don't get the pub because ESPN doesn't have them, so they just don't talk about them. Uh, and beyond that, too, it's not just about. I mean, yeah, the Big East lost huge, huge aspects of their identity. Syracuse was, I mean, Syracuse was the Big East. You know, I mean, there's a, there are a few teams were the Big East, but like Syracuse was that to lose them on top of that you lose Pitt, you lose uh louisville like you said you lose and then you lose like cincinnati west virginia schools like that i mean that hurts and nothing against creighton xavier and butler they've been good additions to the league but it's like how that can't possibly replace you're talking about a 16 team behemoth at yukon they lost yukon too how do i forget about that that's a massive loss like you're talking about a 16 team behemoth of a league with tons of some of the most storied and historic programs in the sport. And then you're whittling it down to 10 with basically the Catholic schools and then a few more religious schools. Although I don't think Butler is religious. Uh, I think they are. Don't quote me, but I do think Butler is, but no, but you're, you're totally right. You know, big brother ESPN is gonna, you know, they're going to tell you who's sexy and who's not. So that's totally true. But their talent level the what made the biggie so good was their talent level and so yes it's gonna you're gonna lose some of that when you lose some of your like top schools but when the schools you keep creighton was good creighton was a pretty solid team and they've been Hayden, good good so, yeah they had they still have good teams but what's happened is like the teams they have have just also dramatically fallen off and so that's why i'm kind of you know to hopefully bring this to a proper point or to make some semblance of sense is if the Big 12, if Kansas can keep bringing in Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid and have the hype like they did, you know, a few years ago, Kansas will be A-OK. That's the stuff I'm trying to say. But if the, Oklahoma yeah. State can get more Cade Cunninghams, the Big 12 will be OK. If Oklahoma – oh, well, they're gone. But that's what I'm saying. Like if – yeah, I was going to say Oklahoma and Trey Young. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> or Warriors, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, go ahead and get me. I screwed up. Whatever. No, it's OK. It's just funny. It's fine. But – Okay, so like if Kansas State, if Kansas State can have more Jacob Pullins, they'll be okay. And so that's what the issue is: is if you can, because it's because men's college basketball and women's college basketball, you can. I've always heard that you can tell the basketball players are more marketable because they don't have their helmets on. You can see their faces for sure. They can still get marketable players. If we can get another Lance Stevenson, some more Sean Kilpatrick, we'll be okay. It's when you don't have the marketable players that then will hurt your conference, um, so to speak. Honestly. I think this was probably one of Gonzaga's most marketable years because of Jalen Skuggs and um, blah, blah, blah. And this new guy they have coming in, Chet, is it like Chet Holgram? Holmgren, yeah. 
this isn't going to be Gonzaga's, you know, first good team. They've had many, many good teams. But really, I feel like for me, the last time I really paid attention to a Gonzaga team was the Adam Morrison days. And so, you know, they've always been good, but they haven't been able to elevate the West Coast because they're just a good team, but you have no stars. Basketball is a star-driven game because of fewer players and people. You, It's more of an intimate setting. And so I say all this to say the Big East died. Yes, they lost some really kick-ass teams, and that was going to hurt. Consequentially, and in the same time, their teams just also weren't very good, and they had a lot of fall-off. So the Big 12, the new Big 12, the new SEC, whoever – if you can still recruit and you can still keep those players coming to, you know, cash on the NIL and stay away from the G League, you will be A-OK. And, and I agree. I guess the concern would then be if Kansas is not playing in a power conference, can they still be Kansas? Can they still do that? And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We haven't seen a program of that level, you know, have their league implode around them. So See, I, I'd, I'd say they would because look what's going on in Memphis. You know where Memphis plays right now? The American. No one's yeah, in the and American. you know where Memphis has been playing lately? The NIT. Yeah. Well, do you know the recruiting class they just brought in with Penny Hardaway? All about we'll recruits. All we'll about coaching. We'll see no, if we it will works. See. We will see. That's what I'm saying, though, is Memphis is able to bring in – I think they're going to be the composite number one recruiting class in the country. Last year they have James Wiseman, number one player in the country. Coaching, recruiting. Conference. Eh, coaching, recruiting, and because still these failed guys, to make the NCAA tournament. So it's like, yeah, well, okay, yeah, you, because you had your, your best player played two games. I mean, it's I'm just I, talking I, about. I get that. Two. I'm just saying, like, we'll see, we'll see if it translates in Memphis's case specifically. But yeah, you you can still recruit from outside of the top. Definitely, see, talking, you still can. But can you do it? Can you still be Kansas if you're not in a power conference? I don't know. Look, I mean, yeah, you can. can I don't know. Absolutely, you can. Absolutely, you can. Absolutely, you can. You okay? I agree that you can, but will you? You know, is the guy after Bill Self able to do that? You know, like it takes a very special Mark Few to turn Gonzaga into Gonzaga. All I know is, you know, Texas and Oklahoma. You know, they're cool Longhorn networks, Horn Downs, whatever. Blah blah blah. <laughs> I don't know too many people who are like, yeah, I'm going to go play Big Twelve basketball so I can go play against Texas and Oklahoma every year. No, I don't think that losing them on a basketball end like destroys the conference. It's a matter of does losing them on the football end destroy the conference, which right now it looks like it doesn't, but maybe it will. We'll find out. And that in turn. I guess I don't think too many college basketball players. I think they have their own intrinsic motivations because otherwise Alabama would be number one in basketball every year. They're number one football. People are trying to make their decisions based on like their football conference or football school. SEC basketball would be so much better than what it is. The SEC no, schools would be I'm so not, much better than what they are. People aren't making decision based on football. I'm saying if the league, if Big 12 in football losing, losing Oklahoma and Texas forces the league to fold because so much revenue comes from football and so much football revenue comes from those two, if that were to force the league to fold, or, to, or like meant that a lot of teams jumped ship, which they didn't do. Instead, they added other teams. This you, A lot of what I'm saying kind of got solved, at least in the short term, when they added those four schools recently. And that signified, okay, the Big 12 or the Big 10 is not going to pick off a few teams. The Pac-12 is not going to pick off a few teams. And then Kansas State isn't going to be standing on their own island being like, fuck, do we go to the Mountain West or something? You know, like that didn't happen yet. And that's because of football. No, if, if, if you could remove Texas and Oklahoma and know that the finances of the league would be fine, 
they'll be fine basketball wise. Those are just well, they're two, still going to yeah. have money. They're 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 not playing with monopoly money now. Cincinnati is lo- leaving the AAC and it's going to be making four times the revenue still, even right. with them leaving. So Which, they're still going to have money, right? If they're able to maintain a power conference status in football, which is kind of my point. Think about the amount of money difference in what Cincinnati is getting in the American versus what they will in the Big 12 when it's a power conference. If the Big 12 is no longer power conference, that small amount of money that Cincinnati was getting in the American, that's Kansas's life now. Yeah, and what does just, that do to the basketball program? Well, I think there's just too many lifelines and not blue buds, but too many mainstream programs to not let that because – they they all need each other nowadays. I don't think like that's gonna. I don't think that'll happen. Um, we'll see what the we'll what see. the new remake Big Twelve. Kansas will be Dude, fine. If the, if the Big Ten offers, if the Big Ten sends Kansas an invitation, they're gone in a second. The, the Big Ten is not sending Kansas. I've got a better chance. No, they're, of not an right they're not right now. They're not right now. I'm just Kansas, saying. I'm just saying. Dumpster dumpster fire. You and Lawrence. Are you kidding me? Dog. It's they the same conference that. and invited Rutgers. That's what I'm saying. They've already invited Rutgers. No, they don't. The, the Kansas needs the Big Ten. The Big Ten doesn't need anyone. The Big Ten doesn't. Agreed. Big Ten needs Ohio State. That's Agreed. about it. Agree. And that's why they didn't. And that's why they didn't add anyone. The Pac-12 didn't add anyone. I'm just saying, things can change in five years, and there could be a situation where one of the more major conferences comes knocking on one of these Big Twelve teams' doors. And there's, I mean, that's why we got to where we are now because the SEC knocked on Texas and Oklahoma's doors, and ten years ago on A and M's door. And Missouri, see, but the, but see the major. I think the the the. What, was, uh, I don't know how much they were knocking at Missouri. As Missouri was kind of yeah, no, Missouri was at the party. No one's knocking on Missouri's door other than the Jehovah Witnesses. Oh, but well, uh, SEC many, did but, enough to get them in. No, they kind of threw them an offer, like, oh yeah, sure, we'll go be did DFL they almost here win the too. Big Ten. Um, but me, uh, no, anyways. So <laughs> Texas, Oklahoma, and A and M. Just look at their athletic department budgets. I, I don't. I have no stats or anything in front of me, so I'm just speaking they're from massive. my. You know what? But there's a there's going to be a significant drop off between three and four. And so I guess what I'm saying is there's no more big there's no more big there's no more true big fish to come and pry from Agreed. them. So Agreed. I think that they're going to be okay, unless. And I think that's well, why no one else got added in this last round. Although the Bearcats are getting ready to go win the Natty this year and probably go on a string of four more chips after this, so they'll pro- we'll probably be getting the call soon too. Mm-hmm, um, sure. But no one's no one's calling for Gary Patterson and the Horn Frogs. No one's no, calling. TCU's who, who, who even coaches at Baylor? I don't know. No one's calling for Mullet <laughs> Gundy. Matt the, Rule, I believe. No one's call. Matt Rule coaches for the Panthers. Um, no one's calling for. Really? Okay. Oh, you're right. No, you're right. So I don't know either. <laughs> no. no. We just lost all legitimacy in the last three seconds. Next topic. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, a few, few quick hit for the pan- good. You're, dude, you're right. I forgot. It's been, it's been a few years since I paid attention to football. Um, the uh, the G League doesn't has pay a... attention to football. Don't pay attention to him anymore, guys. This is a basketball podcast. In case you've forgotten, uh, the G League will have its uh, first Latin American team. This coming season, the Mexico City Capitanes. However, they will not play in Mexico. They will play in the United States because of COVID, which is a bit, a bit humorous. It's a, it's a bit, a bit, a bit comedic. Um, I'm sure they'll be there at some point, and I think it's a great thing. That's a, that's a great thing to, to spread. Just, I mean, the game is already in Mexico, but to, to bring it down there as much as you can. 
great thing to spread the game, but little comedic that they're playing in the U.S. I'll be really curious to see because, to your knowledge, do you know of any – now, this is a lot different than if the NBA were to add a team in Mexico City. Yeah. So, I'll be really curious I, because I don't think – I say that to say I don't think we can, can compare the Toronto Raptors and then the Mexican Capitanis, whatever. And so, I'll be really curious what the standard of living likes down there because the players are going to be making G League salaries. They're not going to be making NBA salaries. The team's going to have G League money. They're not going to have NBA money. So I'll be really curious what it's going to be compared to what it's going to be. What's the experience going to be like down there playing in Mexico City? Um, especially a lot of people are either one, really young, or two, um, kind of seasoned veterans with, like, families. And so, I don't know, just be really curious. Um, you know, yeah, I agree. Related to I'd be, Mexico I'd be City. interested to see if it becomes – like a destination team in the G League, or if it's a team no one wants to go to. That's that's kind of what I'm getting at. I I don't know which way or another. I I make a yearly trip to Cancun and I'd sign up in a heartbeat to play for the uh, Jumping Frogs in Mex in Cancun. I think it'd be awesome. But yeah, just not sure what a minor league basketball team looks like without major major league funds. Kind of. So we'll see. We'll find out. Other piece of news: uh, the Aces retired Becky Hammond's number. Um, and, uh, I mean, good for her. I mean, she's amazing. She's amazing. And that's really awesome that the Aces did that. It's too bad it couldn't be in San Antonio. Yeah, I, I have nothing to add other than I'll be – I really can't wait for the day until she's uh, – someone will take a shot on her or a chance on her, and I can't wait for the day to that to happen and then see what the, the outcome is. I'll be, I'll be really curious. I know. I know. I agree. I'm I I she's probably going to be the first woman to get a head coaching job in a major male pro league. And that's going to bring a whole weird thing to it that other people are going to bring in. It's not going to be her. It's not going to be I'm sure her, her players will treat her with respect, you know, and all that as a professional. But like the I, the weirdness that will come from just like the sexism that lives in our society uh that's going to be not great to see but it will be great to see her get that opportunity and to just see a woman be able to do that and just be like basketball is basketball guys anyone can coach it so so quick sidebar better fit for not not today's, but type of teams better fit for Becky Hammond, you know, first NBA job. Is that the A, ageless wonder Los Angeles Lakers, which I think their average age is like 34 years or something crazy like that. Is it a super veteran team where you've got like a strong leader in LeBron who can basically keep everyone else in line? Or is it a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder, who I think are one of the youngest, if not the youngest team in the NBA? who everyone's young, gun, funny, kind of build the culture. What, who do you think is the better, better first fit? Or what type of team do you think is the better first fit? That's interesting. That's an interesting question. That's why I, I asked it. I think I will – good for you, Simon. I think I will lean toward the more veteran team, um, a team that, like, is guys who have been around for a while and already professional because – you could absolutely still come across a player who's just like, no, nah, I won't play for a woman. And I think that person's much more likely to be 19 and 32. And that's more or less the, 
the, the the difference that'll make because i mean it's not like i question her ability to teach 19 20 21 year olds how to play um i just fit and i would also say that i think that for for a lot of new t- like new head coaches uh who are really good and already respected within the game it would be better to enter a situation with a team like the lakers than it would be to enter a team like the thunder i think a team like the thunder is better for somebody who maybe their name isn't quite out there as much and they're they're like younger trying to build you know whereas you've got somebody who is i mean although she hasn't been a head coach in the nba before becky hammond is a very established basketball name so you take someone like that, whoever, who's a known commodity, essentially, though not a known commodity as a head coach, and you give her other known commodities, I would think that would be a better fit than a collection of unknowns. You know, I, I hadn't really given much thought to this, but I, I think I actually go on the other side of this. I think I almost kind of look at it as not sure, not sure how much the listeners follow, but, you know, following golf and there's a kind of a young boom with the, the new people on tour winning faster and faster and faster. It used to be, you know, to be on tour for a while and kind of go through your lumps and learn a lot as a veteran. And what you hear is people are, you know, when you're naive and you don't know any better then you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And so you can just kind of play freely and do that. And I almost think that, you know, Becky Hammond with a young team or no one knows any better, kind of like the young Thunder team with Russ, KD, and Harden. I think that can almost be really good because then everyone's everyone's just figuring it out as we go. You know, everyone's obviously at the highest level because that's why you're in the NBA. And then there's no there's no veteran baggage. There's no I'm trying to win a championship. There's no you know other things to kind of weigh you down. So I I think I'd kind of go on the other side of this. I think I'd love to have her with the current Thunder roster when they've got like a bajillion first round picks and you know everyone's really young and kind of just see how it plays out. I I, I can see it that way too. I can see where you're coming from and just kind of like uh, th- there's theoretically much less pressure in that situation as well. And there will unfairly be a lot of pressure on her when this comes just because she's the first woman to get this kind of opportunity or will be, I should say. And so there will be a lot of, there will be a lot of pressure placed upon her that isn't necessary or correct. She shouldn't be held to any different standard than anyone else who's getting a head coaching job, but the reality is she will be. So I can see where you're coming from that having being on a team that is mostly like fresh draft picks and having a blank canvas and the expectations not being we need to challenge for a title or win a title, but the expectations being we need to just kind of start improving. I can see how that would be better. I don't, this is a really, that was a good for you, Solomon. Great question. Do it for the people. Um, and, you know, last thing I'd say just to close it out is, you know, while I do agree there'd be a lot of pressure and, you know, I think it'd be leading like almost every sports talk show for time Wild. and time until the first yeah. game everyone's leash is getting a lot shorter. You know, I've got Trevor Lawrence on my fantasy team, and I don't know if Urban Meyer is making it through this season. I don't know. I love <laughs> Urban. I love the Bucks. Not as much as the Bearcats, but I love Urban. I don't know. I, you, you read rumors. You don't know what's true. You don't know what's not true. And I, so I say that to say I think everyone's leash is short. Steven Stylus down there in Houston, everyone's – he didn't get fired after the first year – is he going to make it to the second year? There's such a win now mentality, and people are like, "Well, agreed." So I, it, it I don't may think, just be that way for anyone 
nowadays? I don't mean pressure from internally within the organization. I mean pressure externally. Pressure no, from I, media, people, pressure from fans. Oh no, yeah, pressure is everyone high on everybody. gets the everyone gets the pressure. It only gets more and more and more and more. That's fair. That is fair. You let the Jags put up a couple more performances like that. It's gonna be what's wrong with Urban Meyer? Still, Herb, I love you. Friend of the pod. You don't know it yet, but friend of the pod. Um, but yeah, this is an NPR. We need to keep the keep the clock running. All right. Our last little uh hit of news. Uh Cedric Ceballos uh tweeted on September seventh, six days ago. Uh he was on his tenth day in the ICU uh with COVID and he put a picture of himself on a uh breathing with a breathing device. Um and if I have done anything to you in the past, allow me to publicly apologize. That's the kind of thing that somebody who thinks there's a real chance they're dying would say. But then today he uh, tweeted an update and he is COVID free. Um, he still cannot breathe, walk or function on his own, but he is out of isolation and alive. And so that is a, that is a, that is an important figure in basketball history going through what a lot of Americans and a lot of people in the world have been unfortunately going through for the last year and a half. Well, longer than that, actually, if you include the entire world. So yeah, hopefully Cedric Ceballos will, uh, will make a full recovery and uh, happy to hear that he is uh, COVID free. Man, that was morbid. What a way to end it. Cheers y'all. Good to have you on. See you next time. <laughs> See ya. Thank you.